As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. See, what happens is when we start to lead in society and we start to embrace our assertive or our ideas, we kind of shock the system. And so mm -hmm. the people around us unconsciously, they kind of, they give us what's called leadership backlash. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. And around here, we know that life is hard and we gotta do everything we can to just make it a little bit more lovely. So it's my mission to bring you great conversations, practical tools and information, and a healthy dose of community to help make those things happen. If you wanna find out more, you can go to our website at cultivatingthelovely.com, visit our amazing membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, or by connecting with me on Instagram, which is one of my favorite places to interact with all of you. You can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Ladies, we've had a few really intense weeks on the podcast. Topics that I think really need to be talked about and have a platform for, but I'm excited today to be shifting gears a little bit into talking about us as women and our voice and being heard and being feminine, but also owning the way that God made us and allowing us to exist in all of our different roles in the way that he made us and our specific talents and, and all those kinds of things. When I saw this book come in my door, I knew that I really wanted to have this author on. And today we are having on Dr. Sasha Shilkut. You guys, she is a mom of four. She runs an organization helping women to really like figure out their stuff and empower them. And she's a cardiac anesthesiologist, you know, just on the side there got that going on. But her book is called Between Grit and Grace, The Art of Being Feminine and Formidable. And when I saw that come in, I thought, you know what, that sounds a lot like being bold and gracious. And through all the transitions that I've gone through in the last couple of years from being a stay-at-home homeschooling mom, which is a great thing for people to do, to now having this more career-driven life that I really enjoy also and seeing kind of the dynamics on both sides of the spectrum, I really wanted to be able to have this conversation with her and see how these dynamics can be used in many different areas of our lives, not just in a job situation, but in how we interact with each other as women and the different things that we pursue and committees we're on and just I just really 
love this topic and I think that it's really interesting and I think you guys are really going to like this episode. So I'm looking forward to you listening to it today, but I also want to mention that, you know, of course we've got Patreon going on. We've got our live videos happening every day. They're kind of, we're, we're spursing out the times a little bit. So they're not just in the morning because some people can't make the morning show. So I'm varying the times a little bit throughout the days, but it has been so much fun throughout the month of February. We're really going to be focusing on relationships with, with friends and our kids. And if you have a spouse, um, all those kinds of things we're really going to be talking about and diving into more throughout the month of February. We're going to be having a lot of discussions about the Enneagram, and we're also going to be bringing that to the podcast. So you can be looking forward to that coming very soon because we've had a lot of requests for it. And we also have some coaching spots that have opened up. So if you want to check that out, you can go over to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. I have a couple of different coaching positions that are open. If you just need like some accountability, or help reorganizing something or honing in on your goals and what you're trying to do with whether it's just your life in general or your homeschool or whatever it is, I would love to be able to come alongside you, give you a little bit of guidance and accountability. And so you can come join us over on Patreon, see what the options are there. And I would love to get in touch with you. And plus, you just get to be a part of this amazing community of women that we have going on. All right. But without further ado, let's get on with this episode with Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome, Sasha. Welcome. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. As I kind of mentioned to you before we got going, um, when your book ended up in my mailbox, I didn't even have to think twice about it. It's actually kind of (laughs) funny because a lot of the um, books that I get, they still are delivered to my parents' house. And so, you know, every time my mom's calling me like, you have another book again. And I'm always like, no, oh my gosh, there's so many books. And then I opened this one up. I was like, oh, hmm, I think, I think I might really like this one. And my mom looked at the cover and she was like, oh yeah, you need to have that girl on. I I love it. I love it. Yes. So you have a new book coming out called Between Grit and Grace, The Art of Being Feminine and Formidable. So would you introduce yourself to my listeners? I, my name is Sasha Shilkut. I am a doctor. I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist. So I take care of people that are undergoing open heart surgery or transplants. Wow. And I'm a mom. I have four children, amazing children. I have a wonderful partner, Lance, who is just a, my best friend. I live in the middle of the country. I live in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And I lead a organization. I own a company called Brave Enough and and it's primarily focuses on equipping and helping women, professional women to invest in themselves personally. Mm -hmm. So I started that um, about three years ago when I went through a significant period of burnout a couple Mm -hmm. years before and really recognized that I had isolated myself as a woman and lost my, my true self along the way. Mm-hmm. And I needed a tribe. So then I wrote, I've written the book that really describes kind of the, you know, the lowest of lows um, and how God met me in, in the valley and really allowed me to kind of come out of what I call my year in the desert. Um, and I just share a lot of stories that there's about 30 women's stories in the book. And it's a workbook that I really encourage women to go through to find out, you know, what is, the, what is holding them back in the workplace when they, when you come home and you feel like 
you weren't fully yourself or you said something you shouldn't have said in that tone or mm -hmm. you didn't speak up when you should have, but then you also can come home and feel like you're failing at home. So yeah, it's just meant to be an encouragement to women who are struggling with those things. Yeah. And honestly, from, I wasn't able to read the whole thing yet. Cause this is kind of the season where like, everybody has a new book, <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. but at the, from the parts that I did look at and I was reading it, I was thinking, you know what? I mean, I am a working mom now. I, you know, I, I'm, I am a working mom. <laughs> I completely provide for my family, you know, but a few years ago that was not my life, but I still would find myself in certain circumstances, whether it was like helping run the homeschool co-op and I was on the board of directors or, you know, even though I didn't have a job per se, I was in a lot of these circumstances where mm -hmm. we do that same, like holding back of ourselves or being mm -hmm. fearful to speak up and say things with either men or women. And mm -hmm. so right off the bat, cause I know I have a lot of like stay at home mom listeners. I don't think this is just a book for women in the workplace. I mean, there's definitely a lot of that in there. But I'm so, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I actually wrote the book specifically not targeting, you know, women executives or doctors or lawyers. I wrote yeah. it for women leaders. And when I yeah. say that, I don't think that women see themselves as how much they actually truly lead. I have friends who are at the season of their life where they're raising kids and they're working at home, raising children, and they are leading every yeah. day. Yeah. They're leading their family. They're leading in their communities. They're leading themselves. Like, yeah. so I, I, I think it's really important for women to reframe when we hear the word leader or working mom or professional, there are so many opportunities for us to lead in our worlds. And mm -hmm. when we step into our authentic self, we go, Oh, this is actually what I'm supposed to be. And this is yeah. how I'm supposed to be to lead. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that because I love the questions that you have throughout the book. And even one of them that you, you asked in kind of a few different forms, like thinking of a, a specific time when you like have advocated and like spoke up when, you know, you maybe would have held yourself back before. And even though I've been a working mom for a couple of years now, like the thing I thought of was being a volunteer at my daughter's ballet recital last year where I saw like things going <laughs> off the rails and I was like, okay, no, I'm stepping in now. We're not, we're not going there. I'm going to take over. And, and you know what? Everybody appreciate it. But I think that we, a lot of times I think, especially as women, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that we hold ourselves back, but I think that we get afraid of being thought of as a female dog. I won't say the words. <laughs> so I won't mess up our iTunes rating. But you know what I mean? It's like men could step up and say the same thing and nobody would think twice. But if we do it, mm -hmm. then we're considered that word. Mm -hmm. And there's actually data to support this. So it's not in our mind. So yeah. if you're listening and you're like, you know, well, I don't know if it's just me because that's what happens. See, what happens is when we start to lead in society and we start to embrace our assertive or our ideas, because a mm -hmm. lot of times it's just actually suggesting ideas or yeah. being creative in our, in, in our surroundings or whatever program or community or workplace we're in. When we start to do that, we kind of shock the system. And so mm -hmm. the people around us unconsciously, they kind of, they give us what's called leadership backlash where in a man, if those, a man has those attributes, it's, we know that that's actually really positive and seen as yeah. 
going to promote him even more. But when women act that way, we, and I'm guilty of it too, all of us just kind of go, wait, what's going on? Like, this isn't yeah. normal. Um, and so that, that causes us to second guess our, like our thoughts, our actions and our feelings, which God has actually put inside of us to lead. So yeah. we have to kind of recognize it and just recognizing it is so like, aha, this isn't me. It's actually society. And I'm okay to keep leading in this way. Mm-hmm. Ladies, I don't know about you, but every year about this time when I have hit February, I am just worn out. It's cold. It's dreary. Life feels a little overwhelming. There's a lot going on. And the last thing I need to do every day around four o'clock is try to figure out what we're having for dinner. And that is why I use plan to eat. You know, I've been using them for over five years. I absolutely love their slick system because you just input all of your recipes that your family already knows and loves. You can clip them right off the internet with their handy little tools into their system. And then once that's done, you just drag and drop. You just drag and drop your meal plan. You can save meal plans. It makes your shopping list for you. I use the app to either plan or to always have my shopping list with me. It simplifies my life so very much and I think it can simplify yours too. Plus, if you ever have any questions, they have an amazing full-time support team that is available to help you get started with an account or answer any of those questions, and they typically respond within 24 hours. Plan to Eat is a subscription service that offers monthly and yearly options for $4.95 a month and $39 a year. That's only 75 cents a week, you guys, to really take a lot of the planning off of your mind. And they include a free, fully functional 30-day trial with no payment required, so you can easily see if it's right for you, but you guys, for are cultivating the lovely listeners, they give you 60 days free. You don't have to put in your credit card. You just get 60 days to try this out. That's that's two whole months. That gets you to spring break. Ladies, you've got to try it. You just go to plantoeat.com slash lovely and you can get that 60 day free trial to seriously simplify your life. Okay, so that's plantoeat.com slash lovely for 60 days free of meal planning. No, I, I love that. And I think it's so important that we have that check for ourselves. Like, oh no, I'm, I'm good. This is like how God made me. And this is okay that I am moving forward in this way. But also for us to think of that for other women in our lives, because I think that women can often be the most critical of other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that, and that's a, so let's talk about that for a second. Cause I think this is a very common, uh, thing that we hear all the time that there's like women are harder on women and women hold people back. And, and certainly I think all of us have had women in our life that have hurt us or, you know, we've all experienced the mean girl. I never want to go back to junior high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and we feel the eyes on us when we do act in a way that is more assertive or authoritative. And oftentimes that comes from women. There's really no data that shows that women are actually more harsh or more mean to women um, in the workplace. But I think that what happens is when, when you become brave enough to step into your own identity, and sometimes that's actually maybe working part-time, going from full-time to part-time, yeah. or maybe it means going from staying at home to working full-time. Mm-hmm. What happens is the women around us that we care about and that care about us, oftentimes 
start to compare and they start to say, well, wait a minute. Why did Mackenzie think it was okay to start a business or to start a podcast? And I'm not doing that. Does that mean that Mm -hmm. I should be doing that? Even though like God, that's what God has placed in your lane. So I think it really comes down to comparison. Mm -hmm. And I, I know for myself, that's something I have to work on all the time. Like, okay, you know, because I do work full time, I'm never going to be the mom that like can be at the, at the Christmas party with like the most amazing cupcakes and like where everybody loves, you know, I mean, I'm lucky to show up with like a bag of Doritos. So, (laughs) so I, I can either compare myself to that woman or I can realize like, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful that she is who she is. And she has what she has because that is, that is all about her. And, and that's how, what God has put in her life. And this is what God has put in my life. And this is my lane. So I think it comes down to comparison as well. Yeah, no, I, I so agree with that. And I think it's also, we kind of get stuck in our certain mindset of how we think things should be. And it's interesting for me because I've truly been on both sides of the coin. Like I have been the stay at home mom, fully independently homeschooling, like not affiliated with any program, you know, like cloth diapering, baking bread every day, like fully embracing that lifestyle and being in it and thinking this is the way it should be done to then Mm -hmm. like stepping away, having my world completely rocked and having to reassess every single part of my life, every single decision I'd made, every single viewpoint that I had. And stepping into this life where I now am able to see like, oh, this is what God made me to be able to do. And the Mm. reason why that life, well, part of the reason, I mean, abuse doesn't make it easy either. But part of the reason that life was so hard for me was because I was fighting against all the natural talent and ability and gifts that God had given me and the way that I could mother. And so Mm -hmm. being able to step away from that, I feel like I've been given this such a gracious opportunity to be able to see both sides of the coin and say like, I, I get it. I get it for the super conservative mom. Who's like, no, I'm doing the right thing. And you know what? My best friends are those moms who are doing that and they're mm-hmm. brilliant at it. You can tell like they were made for this and to be able to realize like I was made to mother and you know, all of that in a different way, but it's actually helped me to be a better mom. Like, yes. yes. And, and it's freed me from judging those other moms and doing that comparison because now it's like, I can see both sides of the coin and man, what a gift that has been. Yeah. And, and you probably have such good insight to knowing the struggles of, of both of those sides of the coin. And I think that one of the the things that I've recognized in the work that I've done with women, I mean, I, I have conferences and classes and such, and I travel and speak to groups of women and it does not matter if I'm speaking to a group of doctors or a group of lawyers or a group of teachers or a group of stay at home moms, mm-hmm. our struggles often are so similar. Yeah. And the, the things that we're going through in life are really, really similar. Mm-hmm. And we like to kind of put each other in boxes and mm-hmm. labels and be like, well, she's a stay at home mom. 
well, she's a, she's a working mom, but where she's a woman without kids. So I can't be her friend because she doesn't have kids. So she wouldn't understand my struggles. Actually, there's, there's so many things that we all share struggles that are the same. And I have been so enriched and I've learned so much from women that don't walk in the same field Mm -hmm. that I do every day. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And actually like these friends that I have that I'm super close to, we all used to have lives that were very similar to each other from all like the outside perspectives of what boxes we were in. And now they've, they've spread out and they've, we, we are all, none of us look this, our lives don't look the same anymore. And it's been so enriching to our friendships and our relationships. And that's kind of the, the direction I want to go in right now is that we, you know, you talk about how we have all these similarities, which I couldn't agree more with. And one of the things that was really like glaring to me is when you talk about you've been working these long days and all of these things and you, you found yourself isolated. You didn't have friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that happens. I mean, I remember that as a homeschooling mom, like I'm with my kids all day long. It's so much work to try to be teaching them. And I don't have the time to talk to people and I'm just, I'm alone. And I hear that struggle coming from those moms and the working moms too. It's like one of those things that it's, it's across the board. We're all struggling with that. And we all need that support system of women in our life. Yes, completely. Um, and you really and went after that, right? Yeah, I, I really went after that because I talk about this in the book, but there was a period of my life where it was a, it, what I call the pause and pivot. It was, it was a pivotal point in my life. Mm. I was walking by, I, was, I flew into Chicago one late night um, after working all day for a meeting the next day. And I saw myself in a row of mirrors at a hotel and I went to my hotel room and just fell to my knees. And I wept because I didn't even recognize myself. And I had on paper, a lot of success. I had publications and presentations and I had a grant and I was doing all these things and I had four amazing kids and a great husband, but I had totally burned out and I was so empty inside. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I don't even know, I don't even have a friend that I could call right now. And how sad is that? And, and talk to about this, even though I, I had friends, I had not cultivated (laughs) those relationships because I felt like it would be really selfish for me to have done that. Like friends or girlfriend weekends or coffee with a friend or going out with a friend for dinner was just really selfish for me. And Mm -hmm. I even had a woman older than me once tell me that I worked with, well, that's a, you know, friendships, we're not at the stage of our, you're not at the stage of your life where you can have friendships. Isn't that sad? Yeah. So um, I really changed that. And it took me about a year, but that's what I, when I started um, reaching out and I started a tribe that has grown to thousands of women um, in, but honestly, we need each other the most when we're going through those hard, (laughs) difficult, busy times of life. Yeah. And I have seen that so acutely over the past two and a half years, because if it hadn't been, and it's a small group. I mean, I have like my larger tribe online, you know, but locally, it's a a pretty small group that I am tight with, you know, the people who actually have that like daily input into my life. But if it weren't for them, like 
we literally couldn't have even survived the past two and a half years. And just like the help from friends and whether it's just like them being there emotionally or them actually getting my kids where they need to be because there's only one of me and there's four of them, you know, it's, right. it's so essential that we have those people. And I'm finally getting to the place where I feel like I'm, I'm kind of being able to pour back into them a little bit mm-hmm. and to know that, you know, true friendships are going to go through all of those different bends in the river. Like there's going to be times when they can give more. There's going to be times when I can give more, but just allowing that to strengthen and be what it is through all those different seasons is so powerful. Yes. And, and recognizing the seasons of life and the, and I think what we do is we put pressure on ourselves that it doesn't even belong in the season we're in. Yeah. You know, um, like we, we go on Instagram and we see someone, a woman that, you know, has, you know, is, is like running five or six miles a day and doing CrossFit and has a six pack. And we think, gosh, I'm nursing a baby. What's wrong with me? I should be that. (laughs) But but what we forget is that she's at a different place of her life, or maybe she's 10 years out from having kids. So, or maybe she hasn't had kids yet. But we compare ourselves and we, yeah. we you know, I, I know so many women who ask me all the time, like, how do you speak and have four kids and do all this? And I think, well, my kids all sleep in their own beds. Yeah. They all feed themselves now. They're, yeah. I'm at a, I have teenagers. I'm at a very different place than when I was, you know, nursing babies and had like four kids in seven years. And I couldn't even like remember the last time I'd brushed my hair. Like that yeah. was a very different time yeah. in my life. So yeah. we have to give each other grace and space to just be who we are in this season. Oh, absolutely. Ladies, I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Wickbox. It's super fun, and it's the first luxury candle subscription box curated to match your scent preferences. When you go to Wickbox and order one of their subscriptions, after the checkout, they will have you fill out a scent profile so they can hand pick your candle to match your scent preferences each month. Every month, they feature a different, beautiful, on-trend candle container that complements the current season, so it's an easy way to update your decor and make your home feel cozy and welcoming. I know when I got my box in the mail, I was like, dang, this thing is heavy because this candle was substantial. Not only did it have a super long burn time, it was in this beautiful kind of frosty metallic glass container that I could totally reuse afterward to like hold my jewelry or something. It is beautiful and it was so high quality and it was really able to give my home that wintry hygge feeling. I absolutely loved it. Like I said, I was impressed by how long burning my candle was, but they make sure that all of their candles are super high quality, have really long burn times, and that the container can be reused as a vase or pretty storage jar after you finish burning your candle. A Wickbox subscription is also a great reminder for you to take some time out for yourself to relax and recharge. And every box they send out an easy self-care challenge that you can do while burning your candle and help you cultivate the lovely in your life. I know I just recently was able to have a friend over for lunch. And I thought, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to light my candle, have a little ambiance while I'm having her over. I loved it. It was perfect. 
Wickbox is also a woman-owned business that believes in treating yourself and letting your light shine. As Oprah says, you have more to give when your own tank is full, so their hope for you is to make self-care a priority so you can feel your best to let your light shine for those around you. Wickbox has an amazing special offer for my listeners. They're giving you $10 off your first box. So get your $10 off your first box by going to wickbox.co and use coupon code LOVELY at checkout. That's www.wickbox.co and use coupon code LOVELY. It was really interesting at the beginning of the year because, you know, we have a Patreon group where I do like teaching on some like organization things and and we just have fun and community and that sort of thing. But I walked them through like how to plan out your goals for the new year and how to work your schedule and how to use like all these different tools like Trello and Google Calendar and all these things to like get yourself really organized. And so then a couple of weeks later, I was meeting with a bunch of the ladies and I was saying, so how is it going? And they're like, well, I'm really trying to like figure out how to do all of this, but I'm not even sure like what I need to be planning and organizing. And I was like, well, wait a minute, you have like a two-year-old and a four-year-old, like you don't have things that you need to be organizing. <laughs> why are you even trying to do this? Like, this isn't even your life. Like take your, just let yourself off the hook because this is, we don't have the same lives. Like I'm running a business and I have, you know, a four-year-old up to a 13-year-old. Like you don't, you don't need to do this. Let me just remove that pressure right now. I know. And it's so funny because, you know, I, I, this is my first book. I've published lots of manuscripts, but this is my first book. And Um, I had a friend and she, you know, owns her own business and she does a lot of speaking and book writing. And she's like, okay, now when are you going on your book tour? And when are you doing this? And I was like, oh my gosh, my book is going to be a failure. Cause I don't, I can't just like go and tour all over the country. And, and I was telling my husband this and I was like, you know, I'm just really, I think I've failed. I, before Uh it didn't even come out, you know, this is how we we are so hard on ourselves. And my husband was like, honey she's not a doctor. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like you have a job as a physician that you go to every day and you see patients. Yeah. So why would you, why are you comparing yourself to someone who has a very different work life than you do and yeah. has a different job than you do? And it was really eye opening to my, to me to remember like, Oh, I'm here. I am again. I'm follow. I'm falling in this comparison trap where I think I have to reach the ambition or the same level of ambition or type of ambition as other women. Mm-hmm. And that is not what God has called us to be. He has made us specifically unique for a reason. Yeah. And when you, when you settle into where he has you and what he made for you to do, it's not that it isn't difficult. Like it takes work, but it is, I think there's a sense of peace and it's so freeing to be able mm-hmm. to do that. But yes. it's, it's interesting that you talk about those dynamics, like you're a doctor and you have to promote this book. And like, so you're a doctor and you have this business. What is, what is it called again? Of course, I don't have it written. Brave down. enough. Brave enough. Brave enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have that and you, what made you then decide to write the book? Well, I wrote the book because I started this group. So I, I gave you the little story about how yeah. I burned out, but really leading up to that was trying to achieve what. I didn't realize I was trying to be a man. I mean, Mm. all of my mentors and sponsors were men. And so I had this work conflict because my whole identity at work, I was trying to succeed like my role models, but they were not getting calls about so-and-so just 
can't poop in the potty today or, you know, (laughs) or they weren't feeling the mom guilt that I was processing or they weren't feeling the pull that I had towards home. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I'm, I'm never going to be this successful. So that led me to become an overachiever to the point where I just burned out. And I had become less and less feminine because, because I was like, I can't wear lipstick and red pumps because I got to be one of the boys. So Mm. I just, I went through this really low period of time and then I started a tribe and I started writing just small things in my group, which grew to about 11,000 doctors. And I would share stories or I would share a wisdom or I would share what God was teaching me during that season and all the women that would respond and they would say, Oh my goodness, like I have gone, I'm going through that, or I've gone through that, or I've had those thoughts that I'm not enough, or I've had those thoughts that I shouldn't wear lipstick to work. I mean, this is how critical we are of ourselves. Like even the lipstick we wear. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, I, I, I see all these books that are out there, like, you know, be a strong woman, get the corner office, lean in, but don't lean in too far. You'll get your head cut off. And I'm like, where's the book that says it's okay to be feminine and Mm -hmm. formidable, that it's okay to stand up for yourself one day and come out of the dugout, which I describe in the book and say, no, that's not, do not cross that, this boundary with me. Mm -hmm. But then also the next day extend grace because I'm both of those people. Mackenzie, you're, you're both of those people, right? You extend grace, but you're also gritty. So I wrote the book because I wanted women to feel like it was okay for them to be who God created them to be, which probably requires at some times in their life to be really assertive, Mm -hmm. but then other times requires them to show a lot of grace and it's okay to be bold. Yeah. Well, when I read the, the subtitle of your book, the art of being feminine and formidable, it reminded me so much of this kind of tagline that we have for cultivating the lovely. I end every show that I ever do by saying, go be bold and gracious, like mm, being bold. Love that. I think it's just so in line with exactly what you're talking about. Like we should be bold. We should stand for what we believe in. We should be doing all those things, but we have to be gracious at the same time, because if you're just bold, then you're like becoming a man, <laughs> you know, you're, yes. you're just, you're doing you. That's when it's that female dog thing that comes out and it's like, mm-hmm. you get a certain label, but if you can balance that with the graciousness, with the feminine, with, you know, being able to be tender and caring and all of those things also, it that's where we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to be too much of one or the other. Right. And I don't think any of us as women are, but I think that we feel like when we do speak up and say, actually, that's incorrect, or actually, what about this idea? We then ruminate about it later. Like how many times have you said something and then we come home and you're like, oh my gosh, do you think I offended this person? Or should I not have said that idea or should I wait until the end of the meeting? I mean, there are literally books yep. out there that are about how women can speak in meetings. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. I mean, how about we just speak up when God puts it on our heart to speak up and then we know that that's who we're supposed to be and we don't second guess ourselves later. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I know for myself, there's times where I, I, you know, I'm very bold in the workplace because I have to be, that's required of me as a doctor. Yeah. But then the next minute I want to cry with a patient and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm crying, people are going to think I'm not a strong woman or a mm. strong doctor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
Yeah. Like I've had to really embrace both that it's okay for me to do both of those things because that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I mean, in a different way, but I've also had to, to learn how to balance those things, even just through what I've walked through in the past two years. Like I've had a lot of people ask me, and I've kind of talked about this on the show before, like, how are you just not on your face? Like just like not able to even cope. Like how do you, and how beyond Mm. that, how are you like happy and like having fun? And it's like, well, first of all, was just sitting there an option? Like I have four kids and like, I've got to provide for them and I've got it. Like I, our life had to move forward, but also I don't, I don't want to, I don't want that to be my life. And I've had my down moments and all of that, but I, I want to enjoy my life and, and make the most of it that I can. So of course I'm going to get up and I'm going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just like making those decisions to, to do those things and to move forward and what, whatever, whatever place you are in, in your life, you, you're ultimately the one who has to make the decision to, to do it or not. Yes, absolutely. So totally agree. You, you decide to write this book. How do you fit that into your life (laughs) with all you're doing? (laughs) it well let me tell you it was it was not easy but I heard something if you're listening and you've always wanted to write a book someone told me once um actually was it was a book uh agent and she said I said you know I really want to write a book but I work full-time I have kids and she said Sasha every person that has written a book has a real job and I was like unless you're like JK Rowling and that's your job, you know, like, yeah, she's like, she's like every person that's written a self-help or an inspirational book or a book has has a real job. That's why they're writing the book. So I thought, you know, even if it takes me a couple few years, it's probably Mm going to take me longer than someone who doesn't have four kids and isn't a physician. That's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm, I, I will have failed. So, um, I, gave myself, I, you know, I'm, I'm a planner and I'm pretty strategic. So I knew that the, I get up every morning at like four 45 or five o'clock in the morning to go to work. And I thought, mm-hmm. I'm just going to get up Saturday and Sunday, every morning, every Saturday, Sunday at 5am and just knock out three or four hours of work. And I did it. And wow. I, it was not easy. It was really hard. I wrote on a lot of vacations. Yeah. Um, but I learned so much about myself in this process and it was really, it was almost like having like intense therapy on myself (laughs) because when you have, when you're encouraging other women to look at themselves and go inward and look at their own insecurities and their own past failures or the own, their own things that are holding them back, you have to do believe in that yourself. Mm -hmm. So I would start writing the chapter, like say I, I wrote it. Uh, I don't know if you've read chapter eight, but it's a pretty emotional chapter. And I get pretty real in that chapter with uh, my biggest failure. And I, I really struggled with whether I wanted to put it in the book or not. I, I'd put it in, I'd take it out. I'd put it in, I'd take it out. And then I thought, how can I ask women to get down to their biggest failures and evaluate their failure and how it's holding them back if I can't do that myself? Yeah. So it was a therapeutic year, but it took me a good year to write the book.
Ladies, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know that I've had a lot of junk to deal with over the past couple of years. And the thing that has helped me to really process everything that I've been through, get my life back on track and be able to move forward has been counseling. And so that is why today I want to tell you about better help. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas, and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's just so much more convenient. Also, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. You can customize exactly what you're looking for, and they're going to help you to make sure that you have the person that you need. I know that I kind of had to do a little bit of shuffling to make sure that I could find somebody who I really thought would meet my needs, and I was totally able to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website website and read some of their testimonials that are posted daily. For instance, this recent review for Laura Greenwich Franklin that said, I've worked with Laura for only a short time, but I have found her suggestions and comments incredibly valuable. I've already made progress that I wouldn't have made on my own. She responds quickly and is attentive to my challenges. She has been a wonderful resource. I thoroughly enjoy our interactions. So if you want that kind of help, visit betterhelp.com lovely. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And as a listener to my show, Cultivating the Lovely, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash lovely. Again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash lovely. So in that process, did you already know you would have a book deal or were you kind of writing the book on faith or how did it actually end up becoming a book? So I this is a great funny story. So I have had no idea how to write a book. I, in academia, you write manuscripts and research papers and such. And I've done that and you write it and then you submit it. You write the whole thing, you submit it and see if it gets accepted and then it gets rejected or they send it back for revision. So I just assumed that that's what happened with the book. So I wrote about, I don't know, 30 or 40,000 words. And I was talking to my friend and who is a publishing, she was the head of Harvard's publishing medical publishing group for years and years. And she said, I said, you know, I've written like, you know, six chapters. I think it's going to be 10 chapters. And she said, Oh, honey, (laughs) she's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but that's not how it works. You don't write the whole book and then send it to a publisher. You write what's called a book proposal. And she said, unless you want to, you know, self-publish, then you can go that route. So I had to take everything that I had written and just kind of put it aside and start fresh with a book proposal. And so I wrote the book proposal and then um, got the publisher that way and then wrote what is now Between Grit and Grace. But again, it was a learning, you know, Mm -hmm. it it was a learning lesson and I I grew from that. Yeah. How much of what you had already written were you, were you able to just kind of like pick up where you left off or did you kind of have to go in a different No, direction? I oh. went in a totally different direction. So I oh, have right. about, you know, 30 or 40,000 word document that oh. I don't know what I'll do with it. <laughs> I'm trying not to look at it as a failure, as like a waste of time because it yeah. was 
learning, but I'm like, huh, I probably should have asked before (laughs) I just started doing this. Wow. Well, maybe it'll become another book someday, or maybe it was just preparation for writing this one. That is, oh, that's painful. Yes, very painful. So you kind of, I want to kind of come back to this. We've hit on it a little bit, but you talk about the importance of knowing yourself. And I think that's so important. And I think a lot of women kind of get lost in that. I think especially the early motherhood years can kind of do that to you where you're, you're being so like physically drained by all little people, you know, it, it is easy to kind of lose yourself in that time of your life. And so what advice do you have for women in trying to like realize kind of who you are again or at all? Mm -hmm. So I love this question because this is what my company is all about. And the biggest thing that I think people forget is women forget, especially and I work with women. I'm not trying to exclude men, but I sure. just, that's who I coach and work with. So that's there who are I not many men to. who listen to this podcast. So. <laughs> um, I, I think that we often forget that we were created by a creator who has made us in his likeness. Mm-hmm. So if we have a unique trait, that means he has that unique trait. Mm-hmm. That means that he, we are a reflection of him. So instead of us developing that, our uniqueness or our creativity or sharing our idea, or being brave enough to say, you know, I'm not going to, I don't have to just choose my kids or my job. I can actually choose a combination of both at each season of my life. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. We, we, we just compare and we get pushed into our boxes. And so the biggest thing that we should, we can do for ourselves to get back to the raw material of who God made us to be mm-hmm. is to spend time in solitude. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, that is like asking so people to find, yeah, it's like asking someone to go out and find a million dollars. And in the classes I teach, I always start with making the women find an hour a week alone. And you would think that would not be hard. All of the oh. women are like, an, what? I can't, yeah. I don't have an hour. I'm like, yes, you do. You do. You have an hour. You just, right now it's filled up with things. And when we do have 30 minutes, what do we do? We scroll Facebook or yeah. we online, or if you're like me, you shop on Amazon (laughs) or, you know, so you don't sit with yourself because oftentimes we're so far from where we need to be in our own internal life that it's scary to be alone. It's scary to sit with ourselves. We don't want to think about the mess we are in. We don't want to think about how broken we are. So we just scroll Facebook. So I tell women like, you have to unplug for an hour a week and then it becomes three hours a week and then it becomes 30 minutes a day. And I think, I think that like God meets us there in solitude and doing the hard work, asking yourself the questions. And that's what I'm really hoping this book is about is it encourages women to just sit with the book even and answer Mm -hmm. some questions and go inside. Yeah. I, it's so interesting because I just last week had Seth Haynes on the show and his book is called the book of waking up. And it's like, Mm. we numb ourselves out from our lives, whether that's through a big addiction or the little things like scrolling Instagram or whatever. And we, we use that as coping mechanisms to not really have to deal with like the pain in our lives or things that are surrounding us. And it's really 
easy to go to that place because we don't want to feel the hurts. We don't want to confront the issues. We don't want to really get down to the nitty gritty. And I, I look at even just like my last fall in a, a certain way. I think I needed a little bit of numbing because it was so intense from my divorce trial to my brother's death, to the results of the trial, to like so much happened last fall that I read a lot of silly fiction. Like I yeah, spent right. a lot of time on Instagram, just like, I just don't want to like feel it and think about it and everything. And then going into January, it was kind of like, okay, like now is the time to wake back up again and to decide I have to feel those things and I have to confront those things. And, and he kind of talks about that same idea as having like that quiet and that stillness. And we've got to, we've got to cut out the noise And it just reminds me, I mean, the verse we all hear a thousand times, be still and know that Mm -hmm. I am God. Like Mm -hmm. we have to know who he is so that we can know who we are. We are, exactly. And we've got to have the time, the the space to do that. Absolutely. And time is such a gift. It's it's such a gift and it's free, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, we don't think of it that way, but like, you have so many hours. Yes, you have to go to work. Yes, you have to, you know, provide for your family, but you have hours in your day that Mm -hmm. are free. And what I think often happens is when we are, when we do work outside of the home, we think that every hour that we are not at work, we have to be with our family. Mm -hmm. And we are only a good mom if we only spend time with our kids when we're not at work. Like, there's never can be you. It, it, it's wrong. It's selfish of you to want to like go to Target alone, yeah. <laughs> or it's selfish of you to go to your bedroom and say, "You guys, give me thirty minutes by myself." Yeah. Even if because because we just think that that's not being a good parent, but that is free time for you to invest in yourself and like put put it in your internal bank, you know. But we yeah. don't often view it that way. Yeah. And so many times when we get into that mentality of like, oh, no, if the kids are here, then I've got to be fully present with them every minute. If we haven't done that, pulling away, making sure that we're okay, I mean, we hear it over and over again, but it's that putting that oxygen mask on first. If I Mm -hmm. haven't done that, if I haven't given myself the pause that I need, then I'm probably not going to be a very nice mom (laughs) when I am with them all those hours. And it's much better for them and for me if I take that pause, I get a little bit of that time alone and then can step back into it and fully be present because I'm not just frustrated and burnt out. Exactly. And it's interesting because I think that like, if you think of it as who, you know, when you look at it from the perspective of your children or the people that love you, your friends, your kids, your parents, I look at my kids and I'm like, when do I want to be around them? I want to be around them when they've had a good night's sleep, when they're well fed, when they're happy, when they're rested. I love being around people like that. Yeah. So I think we have to kind of recognize this, this ambition, this drive, this, you know, work, work, work mentality or the hustle mentality or the like, well, martyr mentality, which mm-hmm. I think women, especially, yeah. especially Christian women embrace, yeah. like, let me be the martyr. Let me do everything. Let me, and that's actually not what God calls us to do. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to say, recognize it in yourself. I'm so guilty of it. And yeah. I have to constantly be checking into going, okay, when was the last time I spent 30 minutes in solitude? Yeah. Well, and even 
us dealing with being that men or having them that mentality, but also I don't want that to be what my kids see growing up and think is normal and okay and try to then emulate in their own lives. And I've been noticing a lot lately, even when we get home, there's like, you know, one day a week when we get home and there's not activities going on. And I have noticed with my kids, like they kind of need that pause too. Like they don't want me all up in their business. Like they need to have a little bit of that downtime to be able to, you know, with my little girls, it's like, they just want to color. They want to like do something where nothing is being demanded of them. They don't have a big schedule they're trying to follow. They can be kids. You know, they've been in school all day. They, they've had other things going on. They need that space too. And so absolutely, it's okay for us to get home that day of the week. And I'm even last night, I was like, okay, I'm going to go up to my bedroom. You guys chill out down here. I'll be back down in a little bit and then we'll get going with dinner. And, and, and it was better for all of us. That's awesome. And that's so smart because you're teaching them, you're modeling it for them. So one of the things that I don't, I learned this year, which was kind of really eye-opening for me is that psych in the psych literature, it shows that women learn how to learn self-care from their model of behavior. So we learn it from our mother. Sure. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so eye-opening to me because I love my, I have an amazing mom, amazing Christian woman, um, very much servant-hearted, stayed at home, took care of everybody in the neighborhood except herself. Yeah. And, and she, she would, you know, she just always served everyone and never had time for herself. Yeah. And she would always say to me, like, I wish I could just go take the walk or I wish, I remember hearing that when I was a kid. And I find myself doing that. Like, oh my gosh, how come I can write books and do papers, but I can't like get to the gym every day? Well, that's modeled behavior. So I've had Mm -hmm. to really recognize that I want my daughter to see me taking care of myself because I want her to learn that. That's a learned behavior. I want her to say, you know what? I need to go take a nap or Mm -hmm. I need to withdraw and, and just read for a little bit, or I need to kind of pull back and rest. Yeah, that's learned. So I think it's really important that we as women also recognize that when we take care of ourselves, we're modeling it for our children. Yes, absolutely. And I, I can totally relate to that experience with my mom. And I see her now in her 50s, almost in her 60s, doing, she's taking care of herself, but the guilt that she has when she does it, it's like she, even now, like she feels like she has to justify it. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's good for you. Go do your yoga. Go. Yes. <laughs> like, yes I am please. not upset with you. Like, I want you to go take care of yourself. Yes. And it, it's so hard. I want to get out of that mentality myself. And like you're saying, like, teach it to my daughters so that they can grow up more balanced in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am just so excited for everything that you're doing. I can't wait to continue to follow you and what you, you know, have coming out in the years to come and how this grows. And I just really hope that women, whatever their season or their life looks like, can take this encouragement of being both feminine. It's okay for us to wear the lipstick, but being formidable as well. I think that a lot of women are going to benefit from the lessons that you have here. So well done, Sasha. 
Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie, for having me on. It was just an honor to chat with you today and get to know you. Yeah, it was so fun. Okay, so are you ready for like my questions that I asked yes, everyone? Yes, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> so this could be a loaded question, but oh boy. what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, goodness. Well, We've heard you wake up at an obscene <laughs> hour, but... <laughs> I do. I work. I wake up very crazily early, and then I try to do some type of, of self-care for myself. Sometimes I just write or meditate in the morning and, and pray. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, most of the time I try to do a little exercise and then I go to the hospital by, um, I'm there probably right around 645. Okay. Um, I do uh, surgeries all day and sometimes I'm on call. So like last night I was on call, I got home at about nine o'clock. Um, wow. but I did sleep all night. So there's that. Um, yeah. sometimes I work 24 hour shifts and then I also have administrative duties. So sometimes I'm in my office for the day, but Honestly, there's not two days in a row that I'm doing the same thing. Wow. So it's a little crazy. Um, but then at night, I'm, you can pretty much find me at either a basketball game or a soccer field um, or dance because yeah. I'm, I'm very into my kids' activities. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And what are the ages of your kids now? I have four. I have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old. Okay. And yes. boys... I have three boys and one girl, so I am at all stages of parenthood. I have, um, believe it or not, the, the teenagers are de more demanding than the 11 and 9-year-olds. They're <laughs> like so easy right now. I'm like, oh, you guys are like the easy children. So it's flipped. You know, it used to be like yeah. the little ones were hard and now yeah. it's like, oh boy, what's happening? So, That's but they're funny. wonderful and teenagers are actually really, really fun because they, yeah. they're starting to develop their own I mean, they're developing their own sense of right and wrong and, and how yep. they feel about the world. And so conversations are super fun. Yeah. I, even with my 13 year old, he'll be 14 in a couple months. And I already feel that like, oh, this mm -hmm. is such a different stage. It's like so fun to have like real conversations. with Yeah. 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 Totally. All right. Now in all that busyness and that craziness is what is some small way you there, I know there's got to be some small way that you are cultivating loveliness in your life. Oh, I love that. Um, well, okay. Believe it or not, I just got, and this is, I can't believe I've never owned it until now. I'm telling everyone I know about it. <sighs> I just got this amazing massage chair. You know, those uh -oh. massage chairs that are like, you see them at Costco and stuff and yeah. you're like someday, but maybe when I'm 80, yeah, I just, <laughs> bought, that thing. I just bought it for myself and That's I can funny. tell you, it is the most lovely thing ever. I get in it for 20 minutes and I just feel relaxed oh. and rested. And I think if you had to ask me how I'm cultivating lovely, I'm cultivating it in that massage chair. Yeah, I would say so. That is so fun. I love that. That's a really good one. No one else has ever answered that. <laughs> Definitely a splurge, but I'm yeah. telling you, if you ever have Worth the chance it. to get one like with 0% financing or do it, <laughs> just do it, girl, do it. That's awesome. Well, I think the way that I'm going to be cultivating loveliness today, which is a little out of the ordinary, but my family and some friends, we are going bowling. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That's fun. Wow. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Oh, candles. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Oh, paper. I was thinking, <laughs> you don't have time for cloth napkins. <laughs> no. <laughs> City or country? Country, for sure. Right. Paper or digital? 
Oh, that's hard. Probably paper. I'm still old school. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Oh, hundred percent online. Yeah. You kind of already mentioned the Amazon thing. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm like professional at that. <laughs> okay. It's whatever time you are making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Podcast. And what are some of your favorite podcasts? Oh gosh. I love Allie Worthington. Okay. Um, I listen to Jen Hatmaker a lot. Okay. Um, I also love how I built this by Guy oh. Rowe. You, have you ever listened to that I one? I haven't. Oh, you would love it. It's, it's about like entrepreneurs and their stories and it's just, Ooh, it's really interesting and inspiring. And I, I really like that podcast. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate, milk or dark? Oh, dark. hundred percent. Sports or no sports? Definitely sports. All right. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Oh, that's a really good question. Probably live. Okay. So you would like to be the one doing it? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Oh gosh. Um, now this is probably going to surprise you, but I actually don't watch television <laughs> at all. Oh my so, like, the last. So the last movie I went to, every time someone asked me this on a podcast interview, I just laughed to myself because I, I I don't even remember the last movie I went to. I think it, I might have gone to Frozen with my kids. Oh my goodness. (laughs) My favorite movie, um, probably Legally Blonde. All right. I respect that choice. I I love that show. I I mean, I can quote, like, it's probably the only movie that I can quote lines from it, you know? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) No, whereas I have, like, numerous movies I can quote. I know. It's It's so funny because that's how my husband is, but... I just don't, I fall asleep. I can't stay awake. Oh, like he'll say, Hey, let's watch this movie. That. And I'm out in like two seconds. <laughs> I'm I, yeah, that does not surprise me at all. Actually. <laughs> okay. And last question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair. Where would oh, you be on the spectrum? Oh, that's, Uncru- that's like uncrunchy. I'm confused. Which like, is crunchy? Crunchy is the like hippie. Oh like, gosh, I'm not yeah. a hippie. Okay. <laughs> I'm like the massage chair mani pedi. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, wait, where, which hotel are we staying at, and uh, what are the counts of the sheets? Which is terrible because that's not how I was raised at all. But now I have become like a hotel town. My husband's uh, like, funny. oh, we're going to the hotel, you know, for this soccer game, and I'm like, um. What, what hotel? <laughs> we live in that bougie life. I love it. <laughs> I yes. love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Sasha. It was really fun getting to talk with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And again, have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. ladies. I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Dr. Sasha Shilkut. If you would like links to any of her stuff or the books we talked about or anything that we mentioned in this episode, you can head over to boldturquoise.com slash 153 and it's all there. It should also be in your show notes if you're on iTunes or that sort of thing. And if you're looking at iTunes already, why don't you go ahead and leave a rating and review there? That would be like super helpful to the show. It wouldn't cost you a penny more, but it really helps us out and we so appreciate it. 
So if you want to head over to iTunes, you know, just a little five-star review and something you love about the show, and it helps get the word out about the show. And then you can also do that on social media. You know, you guys are kind of like my my advertising team. So the more you share the show with your friends and you share Patreon and you share even just Instagram, it really helps to get the show more viewers and help us to bring you more guests that you're really going to enjoy. And we so look forward to being able to continue to make this show what is going to be serving you guys the best. And getting the word out to more people is one of the ways that we can help grow the show and make it even better. So thank you so much to those of you who have left those ratings and reviews and shared with your friends. I so, so appreciate it. And of course, another way that you can just really quickly support the show is visiting our sponsors. If you go to their website through the links that we provide in our ads, it helps them to know that, hey, people are listening and they're paying attention. And that also helps our show to be more successful. So thank you to all of you who take advantage of those offers. I hope you really enjoy the different things that we have for sponsorship on the show. All right. I think that's it for this week. So until next week, ladies, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.